Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron. And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness. Hello and welcome. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the things that keep us entertained within the scamp during the winter. And if you have been really searching for some new books or YouTube channels or podcasts specifically recommended to you by us, you're going to really love this episode. And you're in a pretty narrow niche. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll start. We have them kind of grouped up, so we'll go through topic by topic. The first one is YouTube, and on YouTube, my uh, YouTube suggestions are fairly eclectic. I watch a lot of stuff on just different types of gear, and like clothing type of gear, and uh, technology, and stuff primarily in regards to Apple. And then a lot of vehicle-oriented stuff, like overlanding and um, car comparisons and tie, like all different things about cars. And I've, recently I've been watching more homesteading stuff and people sort of building out homesteading situations and homesteading more. I watch a lot of gaming channels, but I honestly, and I can't think of a lot of channels that I watch that I'll like tune into and watch just that channel. It's more like topical than it is channel oriented. Recently, the Meat Eater episodes have been po posted to YouTube and those have been pretty fun to watch. Uh, Steve Ranella's hunting show where he hunts and cooks and that's been fascinating. Also, any conversation with Eric Weinstein, I typically enjoy. So those are kind of what I seek out. But I can't think of a lot of specific channels that I've been tuning into recently as much as topics. And what doesn't help is we don't have any service right now, so we can't right. look on the internet for what we tend to watch right. and ingest most. So maybe in the notes I can link to some of my most watched. And also for YouTube, I have playlists of rigs and homes for example and different gaming things and all different kinds of like favorited playlists of videos that i really enjoyed that i've categoried together so i will link to my playlists as well and then that can kind of if you tune into my playlist that's like what's going on in my brain all the time my youtube channels are also spread out all over the place but they are Yours are so classically masculine, and mine are so classically feminine. Like I've said before, I love watching ASMR cooking videos, Korean baking videos. I have, I, even if I had their channel names in front of me, I wouldn't be able to pronounce them, but there's a lot of them that I like. I've been really into, for no particular reason, we have a friend who's pregnant, so I've been just learning a few things here and there, and I just found this girl who I really like, Brittany Baylin. She's just a new mom, and she's really awesome. She used to do, like, makeup stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if I had come across her videos when I was doing my makeup days and stuff. Alexis Outdoors, she's badass babe. 
out in the backcountry. She's a lot like Joe Robin at Bushcraft, but female and super, super badass with a really awesome dog named Grizz. Stardust Mine, she's an awesome jewelry account. Um, and then Hannah, we've been taking in, well, I've been admiring the way that she does her YouTube titles. She lives in her van, she got a cabin. She's just really endearing and, um, really likable genuine genuine and really cute lives in her van just super badass girl and i i just love the way that she does her titles of her videos she's also great at making videos doing really cinematic shots and being entertaining i don't really watch a lot of van life i don't either but i, I i'm not watching it for her van i'm watching it for her yeah. Any van life people and couples, I think, are just not in our... I feel like it, it seems like we're very similar, but I think typically we do things quite differently than most. Maybe from outside perspective of somebody who does not do what we are doing or van, of like a lifestyle like this, might think that they're similar. Yeah. But I even the... Even the overlanding community is far different than what we're doing. I'm more interested in watching those guys, though, because I can learn a lot more from them than I do from a lot of van life type content. Well, and it seems like we are more closely related to the overlanding people. We're not overlanding. And actually, I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't watch them. Yeah. But well, I don't really the... watch them do it either. I just watch like stuff about their vehicles. The van life community seems to be a lot more travel oriented and quick mm -hmm. movement, as we've said a million times before. And we tend to not move from general areas for quite some time. We get to know areas well. Also, I think we're not very good at being YouTube personalities. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I'd much rather not be in front of the camera ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, we don't... Uh, and I can't fake it. Like, I don't have that bubbly... Hey, you guys! Smash that like button. Like, I just can't. I, if I do fake it, then it's genuinely fake. <laughs> it, like, you can tell that you are faking. Yeah, right. But I think... And that's why people really... Uh, we've had this conversation before, wondering um, if people are able to really tell what kind of people we are. Yeah. You are so funny and witty and so nice and so friendly, but in the videos, usually in history, historically, I've, I've been filming them and editing them, so you don't show that side of you <laughs> because that wouldn't come off naturally if I'm pointing a camera at you. Mm -hmm. We're getting a lot better at being real mm -hmm. on camera, and we try really hard. It's just not very natural and i don't really enjoy it but you on camera you're like super uh, like not necessarily bubbly but oh i'm way different than i am yeah. irl but then in real life you're like quiet very quiet introverted. and meek not yeah, necessarily shy. Meek, i'm really shy yeah and then i'm the opposite whereas i i feel like whenever i talk on the videos i try to be calculated so that it's like useful words mm-hmm and I'm really good at reading scripts. Yeah. I can read a script like as though I'm not reading a script, I think. And I'm far better at ad-libbing. Mm -hmm. Like I like to have an outline of the script and then kind of say what makes sense to me at the in the moment. And we're learning all this over these last few years as we go. So 
it's been a learning. huge learning process for me especially if you like and learning how to work together on it and everything but there is a level of acting involved no matter what it is not natural to have a device pointed at you that you know thousands of people will be seeing well plus we can't communicate to one another as genuinely <laughs> yeah and i have to cuss less <laughs> and you too if we're being honest but yeah we're getting there but that was quite a derailment we're talking about different van life people and i but you're right i feel like a number of people most people on youtube have a sort of feel to them the more bubbly and like tv I mean, if you go back of. to my old videos, too, I did that. Yeah. I had to perform for YouTube. Yeah. Because I think that's, for whatever reason, that's what people like. And maybe we would be more generally appealing if we right. did that more. Yeah. But then I see people in comments that, like, haven't watched much of our videos think that I'm grumpy. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I just don't express my emotions very well. Maybe if they listen to the podcast or... Maybe, but even still, in high school, I had to learn that when I thought I was being super smiley and excited in my head, like, and I thought that I was expressing that on my face, that like, it didn't come across. Like, people couldn't... I had to, like, sit in front of a mirror and see myself reacting because people thought I was so dry, and I was like, what? I'm, really? Yeah. You do have a unique humor. Yeah. Well, it's very dry, and... Um, it, when people don't know you, they think that you are trying to be, like... You tough, are, or like a douchebag. Yes, and like, you're intentionally trying to come off as, like, a classic douchebag Because I think humor. it's funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then they're like, this guy's a douche. So then I'll say the thing that is the lamest thing to say. That's right. Because it's funny. <laughs> but if people don't understand my humor, then they just think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Which is fine, because that just makes it funnier to me. <laughs> but generally, but the, people like me once they talk to me. Like to instantly. Me. You yeah. make friends with everybody you talk to. Yeah. And I wish that I had your wit. That is something that I would love. I don't know where that comes from. That I've read comes from intelligence. Intelligent people tend to be witty. Hmm. So i got to read some more books. Should we move on to books? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, perfect. <laughs> so, audiobooks first. Really, really, really funny story. So, we said that we don't have any service right now. It just dropped on us today for the first time in a long time. We haven't been without service in a long time, but it just dropped today for whatever reason. And I had been listening to The 49th Mystic, and The Rise of the Mystics is the second book. That's actually the book that I'm listening to now. I haven't listened to that, right? The second one? No, I don't think you finished the first one either. We started listening to it during a long, long drive, mm -hmm. and I think it wasn't your kind of favorite. It's very much fiction and fantasy mm -hmm. with really epic life lessons throughout. It's a really awesome book. Um, it's a really awesome audiobook specifically. Yes, very, very well done. But... So we lost service. Things have just been kind of going weird. We were trying to move stuff around to fix our Wii Boost and whatever. And, oh my gosh, my book. It stops playing, but it's the it's still moving. Like, it's still t counting down time. What the heck? And I just assumed that my book hadn't been all the way downloaded, and crap. Got all sad. 
yeah, just pooping around, thinking, what am I going to do all night without my books? Then <laughs> I sit down and I realize that this has been like an hour of being kind of bummed about the book not being downloaded and the volume was all the way down. Long ass story for that not so fabulous payoff, but here we are. My other book that I've been reading lately or listening to is Zealot. By Reza Aslan. It's pulling apart all of the fabrics of what I had grown up to know in Catholicism. I was raised Roman Catholic and I wish that I could have come across this book as a young person. Because high level it is what? It's Thank talking about Jesus and Jesus in real life and the history of what was happening in Jerusalem between the Jews and the Romans. And uh, it's based on fact, like scientific evidence of documents and of the Bible, kind of blending all of the above. And Reza Aslan is a religious scholar, but he's very well read, ultra educated in like religious philosophy. And not not necessarily as much philosophy, I guess, as reality, and like I, the historical context. And that's totally it, is that I'm not at all saying that Roman Catholicism is wrong or that people should not be part of that religion. But he breaks down the Bible to say that the Bible is meant to be essentially for the story, the meaning of it was written back in the day to... Um, communicate virtue more so than tell history. Fact, yes. It's not supposed to be factual happenings. Yeah. It's hard for me to explain. Yeah, it is, and it's a hard thing to navigate around. But that book, when I read it, it made me, like, appreciate Jesus more. Yeah, he's a radical... Right, like... Awesome... Anti-establishment badass. What What they were just going over in the book is... There were a lot of magicians in that time. It was like a very common job to be a magician. But then there were a lot of... What are they called when you do a... Exorcists. Oh, okay. It was called exorcists because there was a huge culture of God. And I wish that I had better language to explain all this. But in every writing of Jesus in all the people who wrote about him, they explained that he did all of these miracles and nobody claimed that he was a magician because uh, as a magician he would have been executed I guess that was not kosher to be a magician despite it being so popular maybe I have that wrong anyway I don't know how he could go about curing leprosy and doing all these things healing the blind and stuff but it sounds like that was written in every writing about Jesus was all of these miracles that he would do so I wonder what that looks like today what that looked like then mm-hmm. and really interesting just to hear the historical life of Jesus breaking down like I didn't know he had brothers and sisters I did not know that and that is fascinating and makes a lot of sense yeah I think when it just made it a lot more relatable for me and when I went into it I thought it was going to be ultra critical of Christianity and it's not right. so much that as much as it is like a historical telling of it. So if you're like an ultra-legalistic sort of religious thinking where everything in the Bible is exact fact and there's no embellishment or fictional narrative to communicate virtue within that and you read the Bible as exact historic nonfiction, then this book might be a little difficult for you. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean... 
like you said, I thought it was going to be, it's called zealot. And that yeah. kind of has a negative connotation when you first see it without any context. But then he talks about there was a zealot uh, group of people going against the Roman Empire for all these different right. reasons. And it was a good thing. I mean, depending on how you look at it. Right. Like to the Romans or to the like establishment, it, it was wasn't. not a good thing. But if you like Jesus was a revolutionary and radical character. So, yeah. Fighting for his God. Right. So, fascinating book. Yeah. A uh, few others. I'm actually listening to Jesus and the Essenes by Dolores Cannon. I read another book of hers. She's a past life regressionist. One of her clients went back to the age of Jesus and the Essenes. And actually, the Essenes were talked about in Zealot. Hmm. Wanted to learn more because he didn't go deep dive into them. I guess there's not a ton of information about them. Who are they? Or what's the... Uh, they, I guess, are a group that Jesus went to study under. I guess John the Baptist was part of the Essenes. Hmm. This is not, this is what I'm piecing with these different sources. I'm piecing things together. So that might not be correct, but Jesus went to study under John the Baptist. And I guess John the Baptist was the man, but then some things got switched around and then Jesus became the man. Hmm. So cool. Next I have books. So you do your audiobooks. Okay. I have been listening to a lot of books by Joseph M. Marshall on Audible. He is from the Lakota lineage, so like Native American. And Crazy Horse was a part of the Lakota people. And uh, the story of Crazy Horse tells all about him as a person and a warrior and his sort of life story. And it's excellent. And it's wild to think how recent it was, like only what, a couple hundred years ago or so. And then uh, another book is called The Lakota Way by the same author, Joseph M. Marshall. And it's a sort of talks about the different stories that the Lakota people would tell throughout time to communicate their virtue and the things that they held dear. And he does a great job of telling those classic stories and then also relating them to the modern day. I think that book was sort of what I had been looking for for a long time and was hard to find. Because oftentimes, the books that I have found about the Native American people, the books are all about fighting and battles with the white people. And it's just, uh, I don't know. There's only so much that I can gain from that, I guess. And I understand like the how terrible it was, but I just want to know about them as a people and learn from their traditions and everything. And I think with living nomadically, a lot of the, I don't know, Native American traditions rhyme with our lifestyle really tightly. So really it's, strangely sometimes. Yeah, it was really fun walking, going on long walks and listening to those books. I could sort of relate and imagine uh, Native people like roaming and hunting buffalo in the areas that we were frequenting. And I don't know, it felt really like home, you know. And then one of my favorite books of all time, and I have it on audiobook, is Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And it's about Richard Feynman and his modes of thinking and everything. He's a physicist, super genius guy. Even on YouTube, there's a lecture series by him. If you just look up Richard Feynman, you'll find him. And he talks about how, he's the guy that talks about how 
trees actually grow out of the air rather than the ground, and they process CO2 via photosynthesis. They break the carbon atom off and use that in their body and then release oxygen as a byproduct. And when they do that, there's energy that's released. And then when you go and burn wood, you're undoing that alchemy. So you're putting the oxygen back onto the carbon atom, and then that's going back up into the air. And then the energy that was sequestered is released. And he does a really great job of like breaking that down. So super esoteric like functions in physics, he does a great job of bringing into natural language and understanding, which I think is really powerful and cool. And the book is called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, and you can find his lecture series on YouTube too. Another one is Tools of Titans, and this is one of Tim Ferriss's books, and it's all about all different people that are just world-class at what they do, and the tools and books and methods that they use to continue to be as successful and awesome as they are. And I adopted a number of different things from that book. It's kind of short form stories and uh, experiences, right? Yeah. And all of Tim Ferriss's books are really good. Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors are both excellent. Highly recommended. And then this book, The Cosmic Serpent, was one of the most riveting books that I've read maybe ever. And it was about or it is about ayahuasca, and a it's about a scientist that went down to study the tribes that drink ayahuasca and have, like, a culture around it. And he went down there to study them and sort of got pulled into the culture and started participating and really came to understand, as far as you're able to from outside, how that sort of culture works and the sort of underpinnings and it eventually bridges into how it relates to modern physics and that these tribes have unlocked things about like DNA and different things that were just coming to in modern science they had had a complete understanding of for millennia and that book was absolutely excellent it's sort of brought a lot of experiences that I've had into a frame that I can more easily understand and realize that like, oh, other people have been there too and have seen those types of things. And it was a really powerful book. I read that in Oregon and that was like all I did for a few days was listen to that book. I need to listen to it again. Let's see. And then just a couple days ago, I read, I think it's called Drug Use for Grownups by Dr. Carl Hart. And he talks about sort of the history of drugs, specifically in uh, the United States, and he goes through all different compounds and the effects of different drugs and sort of demystifies it, and it really helped me to understand the sort of dynamics within uh, authority, like the uh, police and legality and reality, and how those sort of groups squabble with one another and sort of the ridiculousness of the drug war and how ineffective it has been. But that book I listened to straight through in two days and I thought it was really good. And he does a great job of making it real. And he actually has tried or experimented with most of the drugs that he talks about in the book. And I think that's super helpful because in it's, it's hard to get a feel for what that may be like. So like heroin, for example, and different drugs that 
have a negative connotation in my mind. He sort of brought reality to them so that it was sort of more palpable and then I could understand how people could get addicted to those drugs and different things like that. Fascinating book. Book books we read with our eyes uh, are a bit fewer and far between only because, well, for page-turning books, we don't have room in the scamp for books. We usually have one to two each because it is nice to be able to, like, if we're going to go sit outside, take a book book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not our iPads. Our iPads, we both have big libraries of books that we have read, that we tune into occasionally. We usually have a number of books being read at one time that you just kind of pick up depending on the mood that you're in. Um, Ishmael is my real book that I have currently in the scamp. (laughs) Uh, That is a book that I, this is my first time reading it with my eyes. I've listened to it twice before and every time it seems to be more and more potent. It's like, it is always going to be a relevant book, but it it seems like it it makes a lot of sense to me right now. And it really makes you feel more like an animal after you're finished reading it. It's about the takers and the leavers and the, how man really is not at the top of the food chain like we think we are. So it's a really, really awesome book that I would highly recommend. I um, am almost finished with the Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook by Sarah Kuchera. She's Kansas City local. I've been getting into Ayurvedic uh, a little... I've been getting into Ayurveda a little bit lately this winter, eating more foods that align with my dosha, a lot more warm and moist foods, and this is has been my most comfortable digestive winter that I've had since I can remember. And that I attribute quite a bit to Ayurveda. Even when we are eating junk, you're not getting stomach I know, aches. it is strange, because I've had a lot of digestive issues for years and years, spawning from a few different things, and... I would get these stomach aches and I would try to go fix it by eating salads and getting vegetables and hummus and I learned through my friend Allie who just finished a two year long course or something. She's certified in Ayurvedic studies and she explained that my dosha is really naturally, my constitution is very naturally cold and dry and I've got Raynaud's so it's really easy for my toes and fingers to lose circulation so I'm just always very cold my skin is always very dry Um, so she said to balance that especially in the winter when we are very cold we're in the high Rockies where it's very dry that would naturally exacerbate my issues because it's just making me more cold and more dry so to balance that I need to eat a lot of soups. I need to eat a lot of cooked vegetables only. Very few fruits, no raw anything, no cold drinks, no ice ever, even in the summer is what they say. And Ayurveda sounds like woo-woo or not real, just at first glance. It's ancient Chinese medicine. But And it's so intuitive and it makes so much sense. I know and it, it's so funny when I first started reading this book and learning all of the foods to eat. My my constitution is vata. There's three different main ones, and you have a blend of them all, but I'm mostly vata, which is dry and airy. Um, 
And when I was reading all the foods that are good for vata doshas to eat, it was like all oh, my favorite stuff that I usually try to avoid because I think that that's, it's bad for me. Like there's meats, um, even oats, oats and, dairy, and grains, yeah. even dairy. Yeah, and these are things, of course, everything in moderation. But these are foods that are full of a lot of oils and a lot of um, fats as well. My friend Allie recommended that I pour oil, olive oil or coconut oil into all of my foods just to give it a little bit of extra fat and lubricant for my gut. And it doesn't sound, it doesn't, I don't know, it, when I'm coming from it from a, if I'm coming from it from a classic like Instagram health perspective, I should only eat I, there's so many raw food diet girls right. too, raw vegetables, salads, I should eat gluten-free, dairy-free, and all these things are really, really great, and I've done this a lot, but what I will do is, especially in the winter when I'm getting these really bad stomach aches, is I'll overcorrect with that stuff, and in fact, that may have been making whatever was causing the issues, which could be a number of things, that much worse. So in the, how long have we been in Colorado? The, I had one stomach ache that was caused from not, I had no liquids in the morning, and then I ate jerky, and then I had a really, really terrible stomach cramping issue, and I mean, that makes sense, jerky's mm -hmm. really dry, I didn't have any liquid that day, and then I had another digestive issue a week or so ago, I have, I don't know where that came from, but this time last year, I was having stomach aches daily, Yeah. every single day, and I went to a naturopath for it too, but probiotics have been... That was what I was going to mention huge our bowel movements are nearly perfect same time every day not same time as one another oh yeah yeah, yeah. we, we only mean, got one shovel so right. that'd be a problem each of us <laughs> like it's really regulated us your yeah. dad has had huge um, success with those he had ibs like his whole life and then got into taking probiotics and it's helped him tremendously this is one of the first times that we've really been dedicated to buying probiotics when we're out and like staying on it and spending the extra money for good ones but not yeah. only capsules we also have kraut and kimchi real probiotics with us all the time we always drink kombucha yeah. which has has a lot of sugar but fermented foods are imperative to have for a healthy gut agreed so that's a really great book just goes over kind of the basics of ayurveda for somebody who maybe has no knowledge of it. Another book that I'm almost finished with is Sacred Plant Medicine by Stephen Herod Bunner. This book I thought was going to be like the Cosmic Serpent, like telling me about all these, I don't know, ayahuasca, mushroom, like sacred plant medicine stories, but it's far more high level. Or is it low level? Physically, it's like lower to the, <laughs> they're small plants. It talks about the connection that you can form with with the trees around you, with the sitting with a particular plant that's in your yard, sit with it, get to know it and have a conversation with it for real. And then talking about how um, the native people would then, the plants would communicate through them and teach them what their uses were what they should be used for, um, different ways to respect the plants when you're harvesting them, and uh, different ways to use various herbs. It's been such a cool book, and I know that you would 
love it. I should send it over to you. Send yeah. you a copy because you'd really love it. Cool. One more, Primal Body, Primal Mind. A great book about kind of like the human ancestral diet and what works well for our bodies and what doesn't. So that book. Is it like paleo oriented or what's the sort of? Um, it's like it's talking about why gluten's bad, why dairy's bad, like all those health things that I had been like, okay, brain, you Cut need to know out. this. Yes. Um, and like for your body, the body. Perhaps those things are not great. And of course, everything in moderation. Uh, but it's just, I like learning about health. And I read books before bed. That's about the only time that I read, read books. During the day, if I have, oh, I love storybooks, captivating fiction or nonfiction or true stories. I love, what would that be classified as? A true story Still non nonfiction, fiction. like narrative nonfiction, maybe. Yeah, like somebody's autobiography. Is that when you write it yourself? Yeah. Any page turner, I love, and if I happen to find one of those, I might read during the day. I haven't done that in a minute though. I usually listen. Stranger in the Woods was one that we oh, both yes. couldn't put down. That's a great book, but reading before bed helps me get tired quicker. You usually listen. As you go to bed, mm -hmm. listen to audiobooks. Yeah. Or in the middle of the night, if you wake up. Um, and like, you have to tend to the stove for too long and I can't go back to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I do think that that's better because if, especially because we have to read on our iPads, to get that light into your eyeballs in the middle of the night really does not help with yeah. sleep. It would probably be better to not listen to anything at all and just fall asleep. I don't know, because if my brain turns like crazy sometimes, especially depending on where I'm at in my cycle. So sometimes <laughs> that would make me go to sleep far later. It'll take even. you longer. Yeah. Okay. My books. Your books. Okay. So I, I mentioned Steve Rinella earlier and the meat eater YouTube series. It's, it's, he has a show too, but he released a book recently called the meat eater guide to wilderness skills and survival. And it's, it's not like, I, I kind of hate that his stuff is called meat eater because it kind of would turn people away. Um, and it's, do you think, is that intentional? Maybe it may be like poking fun at it or just like calling it what it is. Or to just, yeah, call it, it like this, yeah, spit it, it right it out is. and say, you're, right. this is what you're going to get. Right. But it's, that book is more systems and tools and uh, modes of being in the wilderness to keep yourself healthy and alive. Uh, and it's organized in sort of a, a handbook so you can tab through it and see all the different breakdowns. And he does a great job of delineating different gear and all that. So that book was really interesting and helpful for me in writing my book. Yeah. So it's been helpful to sort of relate into what I'm working on. Another book that I just kind of broke into and I haven't continued with it for whatever reason because I found another book that I couldn't put down, is Animal Speak. And it's all about the different animal medicine. So if you're, if you're like gravitated toward owls, for example, that might say something, or deer, or mice, or if you have dreams about certain animals, like what that might tell you about yourself, or your phase of life, or hmm. how you can leverage that. Or when you see a certain animal, you could infer that um, you're at, like some place in your life where they're communicating something to you. 
That sounds like a lot of fun, especially because we see so many right. animals. And, and it's just owls specifically, I've had a lot of different experiences with, and they're like a pretty... And snakes, does it talk about yeah, snakes? Yeah, I feel like all the... Serpents are yeah, very common. Yeah, they're very common of sort of... Spiritual yeah. medicine. Another one by Dave Canterbury. If you ever watched Dual Survival back in the day with Cody Lundin and Dave Canterbury, is Bushcraft 101 by Dave Canterbury. It's similar to the Steve Rinella book, but it's all about bushcraft and different simple tools and knots and all that kind of stuff to build things in the wild and butcher meat and all kinds of stuff like that. It's interesting. It's pretty simple, but and not like super riveting by any means, but it's useful information. And how those two break down their books is similar to how I want to lay mine out as like a more informational stuff. Cause a lot of the sort of ethereal and uh, mental and mindfulness stuff I have already in my book. So the more practical things I need to sort of whittle down. So it's been helpful to sort of look through those books. What was the survival book that I had of his? It was the same one. Oh, the Bushcraft Field Guide to Trapping, Gathering, and Cooking in the Wild. Okay, that's a different book then. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, also very simple and to the point information. It was really good. Next up is Walking with Bears. I need to look up who that's by. I'll leave it in the show notes for sure. And I can only find it in hard copy, so that book I have in physical form. And I read it in the hot, sitting in the hot springs for four hours one night it's a really really good book it's about i don't really even know how to explain it it's it's sort of plant medicine oriented not as much plant medicine but sort of like native american spirituality maybe in a long-form narrative of the author and his relationship with his sort of mentor that is teaching him all of these ancient ways of thinking and being it's an excellent book. And then something else that, this isn't, like I haven't been reading any of these books really recently, but it's a sort of mode of thinking that I've suggested to a number of people that have come and asked, saying that they're in a tough spot with everything going on in the world. And it's stoicism. And I've found that to be really helpful. It's sort of a practical philosophy. Mar Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus were two of the, primary Stoics back in the day, and it's sort of a hyper-logical uh, philosophy and mode of being that I think really helps for trying times and dealing with things that are difficult. Wouldn't you say, Elsa? Yes. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on Stoicism? Uh, the Daily Stoic actually was a book that I was going to put on my list, but I didn't because I haven't read it in a minute. But I think that's probably the most accessible Yes, just a quick little blip of helpful Stoic philosophy for each day of the year. And then Ryan Holiday does like a quick summary of how you could apply that or what that may mean in real life. And then another one is uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And that one is a lot more dense and I kind of have to read a couple paragraphs and then chew on it mentally for a while or even meditate on it. But... That book was really powerful and helped me in dealing with a number of trying times and it helps me kind of keep my head on straight when we are dealing with adversity. Shall we get into our podcast? I can't believe how long we've talked that. already. Yes, now on to podcasts. This will be kind of a quick run through for me. 
Kyle Kingsbury. He is a buddy of what's his name? He used to work at On It, and now he Aubrey Marcus. That's it. Yeah, yeah. he's similar, kind of in that group, but he's really spiritual. I really like the way that he thinks, and I like the guests that he has on his podcast. And he used to be a yeah. He used to be a mixed martial artist, but he's super tuned in and humble dude. He's he's awesome, and his interview style is really nice too. Tim Ferriss, we have loved for a long time. He's probably the first real podcaster that I regularly listen to. He's had always the best people on best, his yeah. on his episodes. He's got all kinds of people. He's the, he wrote um, Tools of Titans, the book that you mentioned earlier. Really awesome dude. I'm sure everybody knows who Tim Ferriss is, I think. The Doctor's Pharmacy, pharmacy spelled F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, is a really good holistic health podcast uh, with Mark Hyman. Sometimes I think that um, it feels like he's a little bit aggressive in some of the episodes with certain guests. Um, I don't listen to him all the time, but if there is an episode that seems really interesting or particularly applicable to me at the time, then I'll, I'll listen. Really intelligent person. Um, a similar podcast that I listen to more often with Dave Asprey is Bulletproof Radio, another health-oriented uh, kind of lifestyle, holistic lifestyle podcast. Then I think uh, J.P. Sears is so funny. Awakened with J.P. Sears. I love that he pokes at a lot of just reality of things. He's a really, truly spiritual dude. He runs in the same circles as Kyle Kingsbury and Aubrey Marcus. Um, he's a really awakened spirit, but he pokes fun at that. He does yoga, and he pokes fun at yoga. He does fasting, and he has a recent video poking fun at fasting. He's a comedian, so I just like the way that he... Um, brings to light things in areas of life that, I don't know, maybe other people don't. And, and things that people take too seriously. Yes, and he can just make you see it in a more realistic I used comedic to get, perspective. Like, mildly offended by him. I know. Well, I mean, it's... Because it's, he, he's so pin on. It's like, he, well, I'm not like that. Right. No, I'm totally like that. He's, he's made some sort of video about about me in some sort of way I can't remember it was a while back and it was like exactly that yeah well but super funny okay. guy Joe Rogan of course I think he also has I love the way that he interviews people and the people that he has on his podcast are full spectrum across the board different areas of expertise different genres of like musicians well everybody knows who joe rogan is some people may though be turned off by him and think that yeah, he's and why is that he says some off-the-cuff things that could be interpreted as negative and he he talks for like three four hours to guests every other day so and that he's, can and he's getting high and yeah. drinking and <laughs> yeah. like you couldn't not he can't filter say that something exactly. stupid the right. whole time you know but yeah. i think he's a really genuinely good dude I think that is also kind of admirable, too. He says what he says, and I remember he said something during um, this past year. It had something to do with the riots in Portland, and he got some fact wrong, and he came back on later and apologized, saying he should not have stated whatever. Like, yeah. he tries to make sense of things as best he can with his information, but I also just 
I don't know. I like to hear his perspective on on things as well. And he's an excellent interviewer. So. Yes, I could not finish the Kanye episode, but people <laughs> said that he did so well with Kanye and just let him talk, let him pause. That's why I couldn't listen. And he said it was, or people said that that was really good. He had an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you could just see how frustrated he was getting. Why? Because Neil just wouldn't let him, he would just talk and talk and interrupt and kind of yell. And <laughs> Joe was just like, I'm going to lose it. But just watching the video was really funny. He had, uh, who's the guy with the tattoos on his face? Mike Tyson? No, 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 no. The musician, uh, like super popular. What's his name? Tattoos all oh. over his face. Young dude. They were just talking about aliens and scary movies. What and is stuff. That, man? It was such a, I didn't like that. Well, they ate mushrooms before that, too. He can just... He he was a young... What is his name? Young guy. Kind of... Certain things were a little immature that he would say, and Joe would just, like... Roll with it. Yeah, it was so good. I also mentioned a lot of the podcasts that I like. Let's see. Brett Weinstein is Eric Weinstein's brother, and he and his wife... Brett and his wife are biologists... And they sit down and talk about sort of current events and different things that are going on. And uh, specifically with the pandemic and everything, they've had some really illuminating conversations about all of that from a perspective of two trained biologists. You know what turned me off about his podcasts? Brett's or Eric's? Brett was, I think... I don't know either of them very well. His introductions were so elaborate with such... Oh, ridiculous that's diction in the beginning that yeah. it would be like okay if this is the what the whole podcast is going to be like like almost poetry the way it that is. he would he'll write like this is so that's brett weinstein and his that's eric wife brett and brett and his wife have like a conversation almost every other night or something live and then eric is he works for teal capital and he's a, as a, I don't know what exactly he does there, but he's a, I can't remember what his specific scientific background is, but he's mega intelligent and ultra articulate and has a lot of really honest perspectives on things that it's, it's a level of honesty that I think is hard to find elsewhere. I love when it gets into the episode, but yeah. the intros always kind of, that's what's always turned me off and I haven't listened to many of his podcast episodes because of his intros. They're intellectually dense to the point where I can't multitask while I'm listening to them. And I think that's admirable. That's really cool. It makes me feel like I need to be smarter so that I can understand that because he has a lot of wisdom to spew. I kind of feel like Kel in Wood Good Burger when he's like reading the manual and he's like, yeah, I know some of these words <laughs> sometimes yeah. when I'm listening to Eric Weinstein <laughs> talk. But yeah, he's a fascinating character and his podcast is called The Portal and he has he's been on a number of different other people's podcasts. Didn't he stop his podcast because it was getting too popular? Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Fascinating dude. Really smart and has some um, refreshing truth and uh, sort of illuminating takes on a lot of different things. Lex Friedman is similar sort of vein. He's a is a professional in artificial intelligence, 
and super smart dude and he interviews people and he's speaks really slowly and intentionally and he's pretty dry but he's super smart and I like his interviewing style even though it can be a little bit slow sometimes and then lastly wild fed with Daniel Vitalis he is a forager and hunter and sort of naturalist and he talks to people about all the different anything from hunting mushrooms to bears to everything in between and he has a really uh, sort of refreshing take and perspective on I think hunting especially where he's not he's super respectful and um like he was a vegan for a long time and stuff so he's got uh I don't know. He's an interesting dude. Yeah, he's fascinating. But he also has a TV series that just was released on television, but you can get it on Vimeo, I believe, too. And it's also called Wild Fed. We paid for it. We paid like 50 bucks for it. Yeah. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, we enjoyed it. Both two of the seasons. Now on our list is um, kind of non-digital crafts. Well, for me. Yours. (laughs) <laughs> Yours. <laughs> I I deemed this section as like hand entertainment. Winter is the time for crafting for me because we have so much darkness in the winter. So I will play a podcast or a book or I'll watch a show or a movie as I bead. Um, I started with crochet three winters ago actually, and that was so much fun. I crocheted camp a dog coat that was too cute (laughs) made a bunch of hats and stuff um but yarn is really bulky and just took up way too much room and did not make you very happy having my yarn everywhere you kind of like cruised through them so you would make a beanie in like an hour and a half and and then then we have have a beanie beanie. (laughs) Yeah. yeah so it was also not the most skillfully challenging the types of projects I was doing so I kind of grew tired of it but it's just a really nice kind of for me it was a mindless thing that I could do while I was tuned into a book I since I was a kid I would play solitaire or some sort of game as I was watching a movie or a book it's like I I think it's me occupying part of my brain as the other part of my brain is being occupied by something else like left brain right brain perhaps it's me kind of multitasking i don't really i don't know why i do that you would even play solitaire while you watch movies for mm-hmm. a long time i don't like that like i don't like turning my youtube videos to double speed because i feel like i don't want to not be able to fully tune in to what I am doing. Like this fast, constant flow of information. I don't appreciate myself doing that. But I don't know, like I said, maybe it's like a right brain, left brain thing. I used to think that it was like a, me kind of putting, doing the solitaire was occupying this kind of left brain side of me that allowed my right brain to be creative like would stop my thinking mind so that I could do, uh, have my creative mind be occupied. I'm not really sure. I'd have to think a little bit more on that. But anyway, I just love doing things with my hand, hands as I'm (laughs) getting information somewhere else. 
watching something, listening to something, whatever. And what I'm doing lately, last few years, is beading. I've been so into beadwork because it is such a tiny craft. And this is something that, it's like the weirdly synchronistic stuff, like we mentioned about the native people. Um, it's the beading and the leather, and even my shuffle dancing is really similar to, hmm. had no idea, but a friend pointed it out that it's very similar to the Native American style dancing. There's just strange, strange similarities that aren't, I don't, like, I, I don't think that I intentionally started doing beading to copy Native American Mimic. people. For me, a major part of beading has to do with the size. And Native people were nomadic, just like we are. Perhaps that Generally was part speaking, of it. Right. right. But perhaps that was part of it. And I've done some research on beading and where it originated. And trade beads have come from all over the world. They were traded within America as like a currency, right? I believe so. Particular patterns of different beading styles are associated to the different tribes that use these patterns. So I very much so never, ever, ever copy or even try to be similar, try to make similar designs to them. I guess I, sh I just feel like I have to clarify this because I get a lot of people kind of poking me for doing beadwork. For cultural appropriation. But at the same time, it's like you have so much reverence and respect for Native American people and their culture. The last thing you would want to do is offend anyone. That's absolutely true. I do understand the, I do understand cultural appropriation and I understand the negative effects that that has. And I don't want to create anything that, I don't want to take money away from indigenous people who are creating their traditional crafts. However, I feel like the beadwork that I'm doing does not even... You're not taking away from them because it's not like you're selling it next to them on a, at a farmer's market or something. Well, and what I do is I, I've been really careful to study this and to be really delicate about this because I do see it offend some people to see um, similar looking like fringe on an earring. That is a very classically looking fringe on a beaded earring, like Native American style. So I've found with other, like people, people bead, um, seed beads do not belong to the Native American people. Like I said, they're from all over the world. They were they're tr called trade beads, or they were. But they have sort of adopted them. Yes, because right. I, and I think it had to do with um, using the beads on leather, which is something that I have not really gotten into because I am afraid of being ridiculed for trying to copy Native American aesthetic and tradition. I would love to be taken in to learn. However, I am from Kansas, from a Nordic ancestral family. I understand that I'm not, um, I have no lineage as far as I know to the Native American people, but I am very physically connected by way of our current lifestyle. So I, I do have deep respect and I do not want to offend anyone or take money from anyone. To be clear, like that's part of why you don't bead or sell your beads as much. Right. Even. Because I'm just, I think being a smaller 
influencer, quote-unquote influencer, I wouldn't exactly call myself that, that, a classic influencer at least, um, with such a large audience, there are more people to be offended, and that scares me. Whereas I see these people, um, just white girls like me, who are making really native-inspired beadwork, and they're selling it, and um, it's not so much of a problem because people haven't made as big of a deal about it. There's just less people. You, you get yeah. me? So um, I don't ever want to offend anyone, but even if I do, or even if, no matter what I do, it's almost even more often that I'm offending white girls, white women, yeah. than I am offending native people. But all this to say, I've, I understand, and it is never ever my intention. I'm, I, I try to learn. Um, I try to be respectful, but I do patterns that I create myself on my iPad. I have a lot of fun. This really works for our lifestyle, and um, it goes along with my lifetime. Since I was a kid, I've been making jewelry, so this is all up my alley. I was doing a lot of like different style of beadwork when I was a kid. It's a really awesome creative outlet for me, and I think it's a go doing really modern looking designs. It seems like that is, it's like, okay, as long as you do not at all mimic anything native, then you are clear to go. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, another reason why I don't often sell my stuff, um, I tend to give it away to people that we meet. We travel, and I think that that's really special to give my creations away. I feel like it's a form of a love language for me is to give gifts that I have made. I don't know if it's as... Um, I don't know if it ever really means as much to the person receiving, but it means a lot to me to make it with them in mind as I make it. Uh, and also, I have given my sticker operation over to my mother. Uh, I've, this is the first time I'm speaking of this. But a few months ago, we were in Kansas City, and I left my sticker operation with her, which is a big plastic tub full of my stickers and a printer. A little tiny label printer and envelopes. So I don't have uh, as easy of a time... Man, it was always my least favorite thing to do anyway. I uh, was packaging up all my beadwork and stickers too. I, I despise going to the post office. Unless I'm picking up a package and at our current P.O. box, it's like the most blissful post office I've ever been to. Every experience is positive, which is amazing. It's Unheard not typically of. like that. Almost never in my and I don't, I don't blame the people that work there. My but. mom used to work for USPS. This is part of why I passed on my stickers to her. She knows the people at the post office back in Kansas, and uh, it's a big job. And I always make sure to thank them because you can tell by by their energy that... It's stressful. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do, especially, man, right now, I don't know what is up. I haven't looked into news on post offices and everything, but, like, packages are getting lost left and right. What's the deal? Is it still know. with the election? Whatever? Maybe. And I'm sure COVID has something to do with it. And I don't know. Well, why does COVID affect mail? It affects everything. Well, a lot. there's a lot more people buying things online, for one thing. 
like as far as like an easy duh yeah yeah of course but yeah duh. lots of variables there but now that my uh my mom has my stickers it is not i don't know how i'm gonna sell my beadwork even if i wanted to and i don't even know if you would want to sell your beadwork if people weren't so insistent that you did <laughs> right like uh, it's constant that people are asking you to put things up for sale and just wanting to buy stuff so bad that it's hard to not. Well, and part of the issue too is my earrings, at least, I am partially charging for my time. They don't, it's not a quick project to make a pair of earrings or a bracelet or a necklace. There's so much demand that I do feel like I need to price for the demand and that just doesn't feel good to me. I don't want to be a some bougie boutique selling earrings that only people with a lot of money can buy. So then I just don't sell any at all because I don't want anyone to be left out. I thought about doing a tutorial on how to bead, but similarly with the cultural appropriation, I I learned from YouTube videos and um, I think it's not, I don't need to pass this on. It's not my craft to share if you will. I don't know. It's just really hard with to like navigate it and know what's okay and what's not. Because it is a, it, it's the, the craft of the native people, but it is not, um, it's now become a lot more modernized. A lot of people do it, whether they are native or not. And it's, I think, I don't know. I would love to be more educated on the subject and I keep learning and, but it's not for lack of trying. Like you've I don't know. Tried to find, and like I said, I want to be invited in. I I want so badly to be invited in, but I am not native. Mm -hmm. um, there's also an interesting thing to think about that I don't know. I hope this isn't taken the wrong way, but how long with bloodlines getting like less and less of. Um, I don't know, the tradition is getting lost mm -hmm. with all cultures as generations grow and multiply. What happens if there are no more people to teach the Native American beadwork? You know what I mean? I don't yeah. feel like I have any right to learn it or to be accepted into an, a Native American tribe. But, but it's a cultural appreciation, so you want to like, like feed that and exactly. keep it alive. And teach it for what it is and right. the traditions and I I would like to be a vessel to share that information but I don't know if I ever will be I, outside of my own like my own absorbing of knowledge from wherever I can get it I had an interesting experience with uh, in a visionary space like feeling guilt just about being white and American and like where we are as a culture and sort of reconciled that with the sort of uh, mother nature, if you will. And the download that I received was that it's, we're all part of one, uh, the human lineage, and we're all within the same tree of life. And the tree of life goes a lot deeper than just a few hundred years, like it's ancient. So our ancestors are as much centipedes as they are, or not necessarily centipedes, but fish and what have you as they are. 
our grandparents, you know. So we're all one family, and we're all trying to learn how to navigate living on this planet that definitely didn't come with a instruction manual. So to adopt things from different cultures and different people and give them the reverence that they deserve, I think that there's nothing but that's all good, I think. Unless you're taking it and, like, doing blasphemous things with it. But I think quite the opposite. There's my perspective on it. Yeah. Lots to think about there. and Lots still to process. Along similar lines is leatherwork that I've been getting into. I originally, I took kind of a deep dive into bushcrafty, traditional kind of, I don't know what you call it, leather work after taking a course by Wunia, who was on season six of Alone. Which we didn't mention. That's our favorite show of all time. Oh, yeah. Sorry for the interjection, but... I mean, the winter, I think we were keeping it to winter stuff we've been into lately. And we haven't even talked about shows. Oh. Yeah, so, no, we haven't (laughs) mentioned it. (laughs) Wunia taught this just awesome primitive skills course about... um, using the earth and hunting and food gathering and natural crafting. And it was really inspiring. And all at the same time, especially with COVID happening, but even before we've been interested in hunting, you've really taken an interest and Mm -hmm. really learned as much as you can digitally Mm -hmm. uh, over the last year. Um, Kind of the, it's felt like it needs to be a skill that we need to have. Yeah, I've been called to it my whole life, but I just haven't had the opportunity to. And and I've like fished instead, but with COVID happening, it was kind of like this is a skill for our even safety. Things felt uneasy, especially in the spring, and it was kind of like, okay, how are we going to keep ourselves alive? And then like practically speaking, I think if we're going to eat meat at all, the most honest way to do it is to hunt and procure it ourselves and then working into the leather working side of it if we can use the hide and everything too and that's what seems to be what commonly gets left behind with most mainstream hunters they're after the meat and Wonia was all about preserving the hide and doing it yourself natural bark tanning smoke tanning is that it no smoked tan tanned how would you do it but I I bought a kit of hers that was this little belt pouch where you sew your leather pieces together with a leather cord from the same hide. So you're using only deer hide to make your entire little pouch. And that was interesting. So then Trevor, our buddy, gave us some scrap leather that he got from a leather working shop in town. They make a lot of wallets and gloves and bags and whatever other leather common things. A friend of mine gave me some tools and other scrap leather, Jared. He makes like belts and wallets and really nice kind of boutique leather stuff. So I have in the last six months kind of been stuck in the middle of this traditional buckskin leather work and then the modern really aesthetically pleasing wallet bag type leather. Trying to find a way that I can blend the two. Making shoes is what I've been trying out lately. And I have made some some wallets. 
<laughs> that turned out okay with the tools that I had. I just picked up a bunch of new tools. I tried not yeah. to, but it is... I think it's something that you could get really into. Mm-hmm. Once I kind of get an understanding and then I can show you what we can do with it, then I think you'll be like, oh, buddy, let me get my knife. As long, Yeah, all the, the practical sides of it. We're going to cover, cover everything with leather, make straps for the uke and the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it. And if we do eventually get into hunting, then combining those two things would be amazing. the most epic. Use the bones. Yeah. Bone broth. I want to eat a heart. Did I say that in the last podcast? No. On Life Below Zero, the little girl just... Yes, was... but I hear she she just ate the goose heart, like no mm-hmm. big deal. I hear that um, the tongue... Is it? The tongue mm-hmm. and the heart are both really delicious. Well, actually, I think the heart might be a little strange. What am I thinking of? There's some other organ that's delicious. Liver? Freaking Glenn on Life Below Zero pulls out the fat behind the moose eyeballs and just eats it raw. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. I don't know. There's a lot to learn there. So those are what I'm working on craft-wise or hand, hand entertainment-wise. What about you? And to what extent do you use your hands with gaming? Are you, is it iPad or do you have a controller? iPad, well, recently I've been playing mostly late at night when I'm staying up with the stove. I'll like listen to a podcast. I've been playing Don't Starve Together, which is a survival based game in like a Tim Burton art style, overhead sort of top down, playing an individual character and you have to chop wood and hunt rabbits and everything but it's a really cartoony game where you have to progress through all the crafting and stuff it's fun you could equate it sort of to minecraft or something like that there's so many things about it too that we relate to our current lifestyle like that's where i learned that honey doesn't spoil it's a super fun game and if you hop on our discord i'll play that game with you if you're interested and if you can't afford it let me know and i'll buy you a copy Another game I play a lot is Hearthstone that I sort of rediscovered lately. And it's a card game. If you've ever played like Pokemon cards or something to that effect, it's kind of, it's a card game, but it's not really like that. Maybe similar to Magic to some degree, but it's in the World of Warcraft universe. So you're playing as different classes from World of Warcraft and you build a deck with 30 cards and you play against other people online and it's really sort of intellectually stimulating. It's a fun game that, to try to outsmart people. And then, like, once you run into a certain type of deck several times, then you can bring cards in to combat that deck. So it's constant, you're constantly improving and trying to um, figure out how best to play against the meta. It's a fun strategy game. Yeah, it is. And it's since we're nomadic and like in places that we don't have good internet, I can have bad ping and play a card game fine. And it's super fun. And I like to play that and listen to a podcast or audiobook. I guess that's similar to you playing Solitaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've always thought Hearthstone is really similar to Solitaire, but a we little bit more intense. We should get you that for the iPad. That would be fun I don't know. if I don't, you got into it. I don't, it scares me playing with people live in any game. Not into it. Just too much stress. Unnecessary stress. <laughs> but it's like you can lose and it doesn't matter. Well, I don't know. Too much. I, if it was a, ga- a computer or you, you'd whoop my ass every time. Though. <laughs> um, another thing I've been playing, I don't know, not as much now, but 
whenever I get an inkling to play paintball or whatever, I'll play Call of Duty on my iPad with a controller. And it's just fun and stupid and mindless. Another great game, if you ever played the classic Roller Coaster Tycoon on computer way back in the day, they recently released that exact game for iPad. And it's excellent. That was like one of the first games that really challenged me and I really got into economics and that kind of thing and started to learn how revenue and everything works. What was the Roller Coaster Tycoon that was like more childlike? That was like the later games. The first one, Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic, was it's hard. Yeah, it's really difficult, but it's really fun and challenging, and it's, it's kind of like game. the the space game, but but roller Kerbal coaster space style. Program. Yeah, yeah, and they are kind of similar. Uh, I think as a kid, that taught me a lot about business and how money works and stuff. Uh, another great different kind of genre. If you ever played tower defense games. The Kingdom Rush series, you can get it for most consoles, and you can get it for iPads and uh, Android devices too. But it's a tower defense game where different sort of minions walk down a path, and you have to build different towers to shoot them down before they get to your base. I've always loved that genre, and this this specific series is excellent. And if you ever played the Command & Conquer games back in the day, they have Iron Marines that's similar to Command and Conquer, but on iPad and um, Android devices. And then lastly, Tropico is now out on iPad as well. And that's one of my favorite games of all time. You're an island dictator and you can choose how just or unjust you want to be as a dictator. And you have to win the elections and manage edicts and the government and choose where to build buildings and everything. It's kind of like SimCity, but on a tropical island. And that game taught me a ton about politics and all of the balancing acts that you would have to do to accommodate different factions and stuff. It's an excellent game. And that's all for what Baron's been gaming on recently. Lastly, I didn't even really fully expand on my show list because we don't have internet right now so I couldn't go and look at what I've been watching. So let's, off the top of our head, what can we think of? What shows? I feel like I've been watching more shows than you because I tend to watch as I craft while you're playing video games. But the yeah. shows we watch together, let's start with those. And I will watch YouTube as well, but I just normally put it in two times speed and that's all that I'm doing when I'm watching YouTube. The shows that we've been watching together, Mandalorian, we just finished Mando, yeah. We had started and only went through half the first season. And then I think the second season was a bit more engaging. Yeah. So a lot more violent. It was. But not like... Not That's not why it was more engaging. But maybe it was. Well, it was. But it wasn't gamey, stupid, violent. It was like... I feel like in the first season, it was... They didn't actually fight. It was like more family first season very yeah. much like family and little children show and then it became pg-13 all of a sudden yeah which is like we're not huge fans of violence but if you're using lasers and blasters and like fighting people you got to fight the people to... still kind of in the same cheesy star wars aesthetic totally, too. so totally. that helps with violence but that was so cute i can't help but see camp as baby yoda we can call him okay for now Stay tuned. 
<laughs> if you're watching that show. But it just not talking with big eyes mm -hmm. and huge personality. He's very so Yoda like. cute. We just picked up uh, again. Life Below Zero has a new season, and it is so funny seeing how we've skipped how like seven seasons. Yeah. How many seasons? How long have I don't they been know. filming this show? A long time. It's a good show. I it's so dramatized that it's just hilarious though. Like if somebody slips or like bonks their knee, and they cut to uh, the yeah, cut to commercial, and then it comes back and it's like do 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 cut to coupon dung. You know, it's kind of goofy, but generally speaking, it's a pretty enjoyable show. And that is why we liked Alone so much. Mm -hmm. I have heard somebody say before that Alone was super dramatized, but it's like it is. I think for the sake of being on a television station, or like it's a TV show, so they, I mean, naturally are gonna still cut to yeah. cut to commercial when they need to but th these people are out there filming themselves and they're in real life kind of survival situations like Wonia who I mentioned earlier she was out there for 72 days I think that's a long ass time to be out in the Arctic alone yeah. it's fascinating that is the best show that I've ever seen we watched every season that was available at the time in like a week two weeks yeah as fast as you can with sleep in between. Yeah, I loved that show. We love binge watching TV yeah. shows. It's so much fun. I can't stand watching shows like as they're released once a week. I do think that's Ugh. kind of fun though. I think I it's fun to look forward it. to the day of the show. I I think yeah, but then I'm like I would just rather wait for it to all be out and then watch it straight through. We loved see Apple TV Plus. With Jason Momoa. He's badass. But C was excellent. And the morning show on Apple TV Plus was really good too. Yeah, that was one that kind of caught me off guard. I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I really did. And then, dang it, with COVID, they had to stop production for season two of both of them. But I did just get an email saying that Apple TV was extending my subscription. I got a phone over a year ago now. And they extended the subscription maybe because they haven't updated the... Their series uh, were all delayed. Maybe yeah. that's why. Are there any other series that we watch? Ozark we watched together. That was oh, fun. Oh, that was good. It, it's fun because we are from the Kansas City. And I spent a lot of time at the Ozarks growing up. Shows that I have watched myself, and then we'll be done. The Queen's Gambit was I want to see killer. that. It was so good. It's amazing to tell a story. I can't get over it. It's what I say every time I talk about the show, is to tell a story... While playing chess, the the videography and just and the editing, I it's it's just so genius. Cutting to a move on the board, to a facial expression, to a a, a guest in the audience, to another move, to an eyebrow flick. It's just like that is genius. So good. Uh, the the whole story is great too. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, we can let's do it tonight. We can't. We don't have internet. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a series about ballet on Disney+. Plus. That was really cute. It was a kid's ballet docu-series. Oh, about the Nutcracker. I feel like at some point in your life, you will get very much back into ballet. Maybe as an old woman, I think it would be good for my body. Mm -hmm. Doing like gentle ballet. Yeah. It's really terrible for your body, ballet is. It's so beautiful. I think maybe in 
the life before this one, I may have been a ballerina. It's hard to say. I, as a four-year-old, had to choose between ballet and soccer, and I made the hard choice. I'm happy about it. Same here. <laughs> I wish. I wish I would have taken gymnastics as a little kid. My brother did, and he has so much more body control than I did, or do still, from being a gymnast when he was little. He was a wild man, though. Yeah, he was wild. These are facts. Like, <laughs> he, like a fast, like that. I just feel like personality-wise too, he was a good person to be in gym, gymnastics. Yeah. You more so golf? No, well, I'm you. totally kidding. Thank I'm you. kidding. You hate golf. <laughs> just kidding. I can't believe you played football. Mm. I mean, I can, but that's in, like my favorite sport. In our current life, it just strikes me as crazy. You seem like you could play soccer, but you're a little bit too big to be like what I would think of a soccer player to I be. played soccer for a while until like mi late middle school you were didn't you say you were smaller for your size or for yeah, a boy I, I hit a growth spurt like a year after high school so like freshman year of college I grew like probably three inches or something did, that, did it hurt no but it sucked it would have been nice to be that size in high school because I could When everything continued. matters. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, now you're tall and you live in a tiny egg, so congratulations. <laughs> oh, you played paintball. Yeah. That's what I picture you playing. Yeah, that was my favorite sport of all time. That and climbing. Again, golf is like the last sport that I could see you playing. I mean, it's... The, I'm probably <laughs> the worst at golf. Yes, let's end it. This is the longest podcast we've ever done. We're sitting here without internet, with nothing to do, so mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah, maybe we'll do another one soon. Hopefully you enjoyed this. I hope... Maybe we could talk quick and say what's coming up in YouTube world. Ah, yes. We have quite a bit actually coming up in YouTube world that we haven't been able to put up because we haven't had enough solar power to edit to complete the projects. We've got a really epic tour coming another tour that is so funny we just watched our winter tour from two, two years, years ago. ago it's so funny to see how many things are exactly the same but a little bit different everything like, is just slightly optimized a little bit better or moved to a little bit better of a place but it's like i just can't believe we haven't upgraded some of this stuff like this the whole stove and cooking situation over there every piece of it is the same our utensils are the same maybe we replaced chopsticks with some other chopsticks <laughs> but it's pretty fascinating yeah I, I can't believe that we've been it, it sometimes you look back and it just feels like we it was so rough how we started and then it's like oh wait but this is all still the same I think we just I mean certain things have been dialed for sure and I'm, I'm I guess just saying that it's more simple I think than it is rough like it's yeah. rough from a city life perspective looking at us in our one bowl and two mismatched spoons but <laughs> it's just simple and it's clearly worked for how many years now maybe even in the new video we should mention that we have a video from winter two years ago and it's interesting to compare mm -hmm. and contrast but I was blown away by how many tools and things that we use that carried through that are still working. We have so much stuff that is so clearly well-loved looking. Yeah. And in that video, it was like, here's our new this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was all fancy and fresh. 
yeah, really interesting perspective to see them both. And they're going to be really similarly done, too. Yeah. And then on top of that, we've been in a sort of snowstormy place for a few days here. It has been... I mean, your tall freaking bogs, bog boots, can be drowned in snow outside. This is from the snow that is new and fresh in this latest multiple-day snowstorm, but also the snow that was here before. There's like a foot and a half, almost two feet of snow on the ground. And there was probably six, eight inches when we got here. Right. It was hard to even get the scamp in here, and now there's an extra. Eight, ten? Yeah, so getting out of here is going to be an epic saga in itself. We're just crossing our fingers, though, for And we have our hunting. little uh, traction boards, and we have a good shovel, so. I was thinking we'll just go buy a bag of sand and... Baron will strap me in, like strap my foot to the seat, and we'll open the trunk, and he'll drive, and I'll just be pouring sand out the back, like laying on my stomach in the trunk. Pouring. Hopefully we don't get to that point, but if we have to, we can. I think this will melt out. with the As long as we have direct sun, if it's cloudy still, then yeah. we're going to have a problem. Keep you posted on that. Yeah. And then, lastly, a day in the life of camp video. That we haven't begun yet, but that's... In the queue. We've been scheming on that for years, though. Yes, and he's just... Getting a drink right now, so sorry <laughs> about it. Yeah, well, let's end it there. Okay. It's great. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week or weekend, and we will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal the number two nomad.com slash podcast if you want to see more of what we're up to we've documented our travels on youtube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers check it out at youtube.com slash please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it thank you and have a wonderful day